Hello, everybody. Kyle here, and welcome back to the Stellaris Emergency Broadcast. I'm joined here today by my co-host, Stark. Stark, are you ready to dive in and recap Nemesis, talk about these crises? No. No. But I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> no. Oh, my gosh. This stuff, Stark, is so cool. I. It really I, is. Nemesis is just shaping up to potentially, I'm talking really early, but thematically be one of my favorite um, expansions looking over what we have for Stellaris. I, I really, I, I came in shortly after Federations launched. I didn't think that the Galactic Council really lived up to a lot of its potential. And in our next couple episodes here, we're going to be talking about uh, how you yourself can become the crisis to therefore threaten that council. And uh, in response, we're going to be talking in the next one about how you can become the custodian of the galactic uh, community, galactic council, and actually, well, let's just say you can become your own uh, god emperor, if you will. <laughs> Rule in whatever fashion you like. So today, again, talking about how to become the crisis, because in the Nemesis trailer, which looked really good, we got to see uh, a, an outpost uh, obliterated because the star in that solar system was potentially eaten. What'd you think of that one, Stark? I thought it looked really cool. I mean, I just absolutely love the, when we get the full cinematics, I love them for this so much. They really have a, a cool vibe that goes with it. Very, very short at like probably 45 seconds or so of a, a minute and a half video being about that, that, that scene. And uh, it, it, I don't know, it just gave me good vibes. If anyone out there has been playing the mod Gigastructures, you may have already dealt with star-destroying weapons if you've played through that. And it seems like that's getting added to the base game with Nemesis, uh, or I should say the, the base expansion. It'll be part, be part of the non-modded canon of the game. And uh, that's going to open up a lot of potentials. Uh, actually, the mod has a, a problem that can cause desyncs when you're doing multiplayer with it. So to see these things come into the core game structure has me really amped because they're getting bigger with this galaxy. I was going to say, this is really cool. This is, from a thematic uh, perspective, one of the expansions I've been most excited about for a while. Um, I think the last time I got this amped for something was, oh God, probably actually way back with Utopia. So yeah, no, this is cool stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm really digging it thematically. And as we dive in here, we'll just go into it now. Uh, this is going to be something you pick up through the Ascension perk process. You're going to need two Ascension perks at the time, and that's going to let you take the one titled Become the Crisis, which comes with a fantastic tagline. I absolutely love it. It says, all great achievements require sacrifice. The rest of the galaxy may not understand, but they will have to comply. And now picking this up, it's going to trigger a process where you work towards becoming the crisis. So this is in itself an entire uh, mini game, if you will. It's its own little structure where you're building upon it through doing evil acts. Uh, you're gonna go ahead and carry out what they call crisis objectives that will net you menace. So you're getting menace through these objectives like destroying empires, um, conquering planets, purging pops off of worlds, destroying enemy ships. So all of these crisis objectives are going to net you menace points, which are going to unlock uh, a further crisis tree, and you will get perks for doing so. So I'm, I'm try and keep it semi-encapsulated so people can further understand it. And if you want to see a visual, we have the um, Paradox forum link, the thread, 
in the show notes for you so you can take a look as we talk through it. But really, really cool idea. And it is nestled within the traditions tree area. It will be at the tab at the bottom. So with all of that being said, Stark, how are you feeling about these crisis objectives in the menace system? Um, the objectives are interesting and tying into a system that we haven't touched really, uh, you know, like we'll get to it in a minute, but associated with sort of seeing a star getting destroyed, it does have some internal tensioning, or it looks like it might, uh, between whether you want to destroy worlds or whether you want to conquer other empires. Um, I've just got a little bit of anxiety with this because it's like, it looks kind of like you rank up to the next tier. So it's, it's split into five tiers. And each time you rank up, there's a slate of perks there. And it's not clear whether it's like, okay, well, you get to pick these or you get a full slate of them and it's the same one every time. That's my biggest, you know, like a little bit of an anxiety here. It's like, is how flexible is your, your, you know, your choices when you're becoming a more powerful crisis? Because you go from being, you know, sort of this menace where, you know, the instant you, you take the Ascension perk, you're not instantly all powerful and all dangerous. You're just kind of like, oh, hey, there, that guy over there is kind of a dick. And then... <laughs> Then you start to become a threat. Um, these, these are actually the rank, the rank names, by the way. Um, and then from being a threat where it's like you're actually causing problems to being a peril to being uh, what they call fulmination. And then finally you become an existential crisis. So it's like you take the become the crisis perk, but then you have to earn the, the actually being a crisis by causing enough of a mess. So in that sense, it's really cool. It's, um, it encourages a certain kind of role play, which I love, but I'm a little bit curious, like how much are we going to be able to, to tweak this? Because Stellaris is an incredibly flexible game for the most part. And looking at what you just said, I, to me, visually, it looks like you don't pick them separately. Mm-hmm. It looks like you get kind of the full slate unlock. And I agree that does not feel uh, very Stellaris like when it comes to having all the a la carte options to just be given these couple effects, or even if it is maybe just the UI in itself looks strange because we wouldn't bat so much of an eye if these were laid out simply like just a line of effects, right? Kind of like they bullet point them almost. We wouldn't look at them so strange, but I will say visually the whole menace, threat, peril, fulmination, existential crisis, five-tier system is just a little different. I'm not Mm -hmm. opposed to this. I will say foreshadowing next episode I don't feel like this system all in all gets the same detail that the custodian system has, though I will say the custodian is built on a pre-existing. This one is kind of building out its own space right now. So for whatever we're looking at right now, we we may get new um, things added in the future. This may just be a building block for them. Yeah. And there's also a part here that we can't see, which is the crisis edicts. I don't think. Yeah. They've actually shown us any of those or even really hinted at what those are. You are correct. Uh, so it's like if that did pop up someplace, I've completely missed it somehow. But it is possible. It's like, OK, when you're cra- when you're becoming a more impressive crisis at each stage, then you're also getting access to pick and choose off these edicts with further considerations there. So it's like it's possible there's simply a part of the system we don't we don't see yet. Oh, oh, pardon me for a second. We were talking those crisis effects, right? Is that no, the one? Uh, there's, there's edicts there's, too? There's edicts. Yeah, look at the traditions. Look at the traditions. Yeah, look where it says traditions, and then it's showing you the various tiers, menace, threat, uh-huh, peril, uh-huh. Look over where it says the objectives and right above that. It says, so above the crisis objectives, it says... There's crisis objectives, and right above it, it says crisis objectives again as a click box. Uh-huh, yeah, yeah. And right next to that. 
That's yeah, the crisis effects, right? It oh, says it effects, effects on mine. Oh, yes. Unless I unless there's it. different uh, stuff out there, no, maybe. No, it's not. It's, okay. It's, it's, it's <laughs> all good. Well, way over my laptop I wanted literate. to ask because it wouldn't have surprised me, you know, that edicts being yeah, a, a sort of system. Sense. It's yeah. um, I I was actually wondering if maybe that was another thing. You're right. These these crisis effects do not have anything visually that we can follow along with for that. And that's something notable about this week versus next as well, that we don't actually have all of the, uh, those generic, what are they, what are they calling these? They're just giving them the name, I the guess. effects, crisis perks, yeah, effects. crisis perks now. There's just, is that what they are though? Hold on. Is this, are we figuring this system out live? Do you, yeah, we are. do you click on the crisis effect button and that's what's going to unlock the little icons on the thing. Because if you scroll down. Mm -hmm. It says each uh, crisis level unlocks certain perks. I'm wondering if those so, are those perks. I might. Those be... are the perks. Yeah, the icons are the perks. And are so those like the, maybe the effects that you're clicking uh, in that other tab? Because uh, I'm not sure. No. I'm not sure either. Either way, there is a distinct lack of um, that specificity in this just document. So pardon us being kind of airheaded here for a second as we're looking at it. But again, there's just not next week when we talk custodian, they've listed out a ton of those details down to like specific numbers. This week, we can only tease in the crisis perks, uh, one called Undertaker. The effect is purge is unlocked as a policy option. The pop purge speed gets a plus 500% modifier. We have another one under here called Menacing Corvette. The unlock is, uh, I'm sorry, the effect is unlocking a ship type, the Menacing Corvette. And these Stark, we think these ones are ones that may just use minerals to, to go yeah, out there. Yeah, that's my understanding, that they skip over the alloy stage entirely and you just produce the Menacing ships. And wow. probably also the Asteroid Cruiser with um minerals which would be i'm trying to remember when that used to be a thing uh but yeah it's it's crazy like it'll be allowed it will allow for some fairly chunky fleets if you could just spam them out with minerals so let's look at this then there are four different ship unlocks the menacing corvette the menacing destroyer the asteroid cruiser and the star eater so for what it's worth, the menacing Corvette unlock will only unlock the Corvette. So I'm guessing mm. that the further you're going down these trees, that's what's tied to those higher weapons or uh, higher ship types, I should say. So yeah, you can actually see that on the on the overview of the traditions. The Corvette is the first icon under threat. Mm -hmm. The uh, destroyer is the first icon under peril, and then under fulmination, you have the icon for a cruiser. Fantastic. So, so you're going to yeah, get like one per card. level mm -hmm. or tier. Uh, looks like you do. Yeah. It looks like you not get one at menace, which makes sense because you wouldn't want to just hand somebody a ridiculous <laughs> fleet the instant they decided that they want to take over the galaxy. And then I'm going to take a wild guess and say that that massive grid of squares under existential crisis is the sun eater. That would be my speculation as well. I'm so curious to know what the other ones will be because we've got like a, an almost an energy credit icon, something like a little thunder lightning bolt sort of deal. And yeah. I, I'm just wondering, that always makes me think kind of money related in this game. Uh, and then a shield sort of thing with some lines broken up through it, which makes me wonder... I mean, maybe that we're totally speculating on things you can't see. Sorry, audience. But uh, it makes me look, look, look above Stark. I'm wondering if the shield is like a defensive shields thing. I'm wondering there's a targeting icon under the fulmination one. So I wonder if your ships 
or something like that will get you know increased accuracy tracking maybe there's like yeah, a laser stuff like that. don't know there's also the uh, bomb icon under peril like it's possible yeah. your ships are getting bonuses as you're going um i'm wondering what the sort of teeth icon under threat is because that reminds me of the devouring swarm right uh, which brings so, us yeah, it's... close to that topic too continue sorry <laughs> yeah, but yeah so there's a lot of ambiguity in what these icons actually mean right now um, we don't even know what that fist icon of menace mm-hmm. is. That could just be like a bonus to armies, which eh, wouldn't surprise me, but it's <laughs> bonuses to armies. Yay. Bonuses to armies are not the way to go. I, I got to say, Stellaris, I, I love you to death. I have an absurd amount of time in the game, but I can't take armies seriously because even playing with ultra, super, extremely cruel, modded difficulties, armies are just not a thing. They're just such a, they're such an afterthought. They're like, a, like they're like having an auto pay bill set up. It's like, oh yeah, it's there, but uh, like I have to do it, but uh, okay, it'll get done and that's life. But And that's armies to me in this game. I want to love them, but they're just so forgettable. In fact, if there's any time that I can set them to auto do it, I love mm-hmm. auto army mod sort of deals. Those make me happy. Uh, so moving moving a little bit further to that, because this this system has me. I I, I definitely am going to try this once, but yeah. I've got some concerns. So let me go uh, and just talk about this for a sec. They mention in this document you're going to forfeit other opportunities to focus on your newfound goals in becoming the crisis. That makes me believe, and maybe wrongfully so. Does this mean it's going to compete with your attempt to go cybernetic or your attempt to go? Uh, you know, with like evolutionary mastery or anything. I'm not sure if that's what they mean by mutually exclusive, but that does come to mind because we've seen it before. Yeah, it's possible. I I wouldn't think so simply because Become the Crisis does not specify in its effect or it does not specify in the tooltip we can see now that you can't take it if you've already started like evolutionary uh, mastery. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but I do wonder if it's, yeah, it's got to be blocked. It's probably blocking things. It might be blocking things like diplomatic victories, which would be consistent with what's said, though not really surprising because, you know, go figure. I wonder if it actually overwrites your entire victory condition, actually. So you have to finish the crisis victory condition. You can't win through, like, controlling a segment of the galaxy. You have to complete the crisis event. That would be very, very interesting. That, that Let's get to that, too. Let, uh, that's a perfect time to talk about it, because we're going to be making an aetherphasic engine frame, which mm-hmm. requires, uh, at a certain completion phase, it's, I think it's final one, you to collect 20,000 dark matter. And you're going to do that because this is basically a reality ender or universe ender weapon. Mm-hmm. I, I was looking, I want to include this link too because I think it's really worth the shout out. The people on the Paradox uh, forums were speculating what a weapon like this would do based on the in-game lore. And the speculation is that a weapon like this would basically merge the shroud which people are currently visiting psychically through their ascension perks to actually merge it with the physical reality mm-hmm. that we know. And, and they had some really cool ideas for what would happen. Paradox, if you're listening, these are some things you should really consider. They were thinking about, you know, this weapon or this uh, frame might might let you bring in some shroud leviathans. It might destroy some stars in the universe. Unfortunately, or fortunately for that, that playthrough, it is going to likely end the game that is the victory condition so you trigger this thing and probably like all the other empires are extinguished from the map 
something like that. Uh, at that phase, you can probably click the continue playing button, I believe, or step away. Yeah, but you might be left in an empty galaxy. <laughs> yeah. In a shroud depleted galaxy. Oops. Well, you wanted it. Is. There's, yeah, there's a specific, uh, there's a specific situation. I think it's like shrouded worlds or something where it's like the planet used to have life and then the shroud came and sort of wiped it all away. But yeah, it's so the engine, ironically, the engine frame is the thing about this. That I was talking about like a little bit of concern earlier about that it doesn't look like there's a lot of flexibility and the engine frame really feeds into that anxiety because this is a very specific build a structure and the game system mm-hmm. and credit to them. 20,000 dark matter is not something you get if you're not engaging with the crisis system. Mm-hmm. So it's not you just turtle up and get the resources you need and then just pump out the building. Can think of a few strategy games where it's like, oh yeah, no, there's a there's a game ending structure. You just have to build it and then hold it for like five turns and you're done. And this is does not look like that. But at the same time, it's like this is a very specific path, right? I I agree. And I do not get me wrong, folks out there listening. I am very interested in in this uh this this playthrough, but I definitely can foresee myself playing this very rarely, potentially mm-hmm. not even completing it at all, just because it doesn't fulfill my traditional style. I think I will. But see, the thing is, I play a lot of Stellaris with multiplayer friends, and destroying the universe is not our goal. Rarely do we even go for the super end game. So I maybe that will be a, a, a question of mine right now, Stark. Is becoming the crisis going to be interesting enough? Is it going to be kind of sexy enough to sell people on uh, uh, doing it? People like me, people that are just kind of playing for the fun of playing it, either because you're role playing, uh, just because you're dorking with your friends in your evening and you just want to hang out and take over the universe like one does, normal people things. Uh, yeah, no, usually just conquer the world like every other mm-hmm. I think it is. I really do. And like I said at the beginning, like this is really exciting stuff. It's really cool. I'm just worried about replay without resorting. Maybe that's my concern. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I definitely will get a playthrough out of this maybe too, but then I'm wondering, will I ever go back and become the crisis a third time? That is it. Like unless it's, unless I'm just sitting there specifically playing a build or messing with something like, will I come back a third time for this? You really nailed it. Yeah. Like that's it. It's cool. This is really exciting. This is, and They've made this point of giving it this very specific um, blue and purple color scheme that is really striking mm-hmm. and stands out like that catches just straight up on a visceral level catches my eye. But then turning around and going, how many times am I going to do this after this? I don't know what else the system does. And that's that's kind of the tricky thing here, because we don't know how this interacts with other systems. We know that there's some interaction with espionage, both on the um, there's actually a, a source for uh, menace from engaging in offensive espionage operations. And it's reasonable to bet that there's going to be systems for espionage working against these crises, just because there's going to be systems with espionage for working against the other crisis as well. So yeah, I, I wonder how well this will interface with other things. I agree. That is a, that is an interesting thing. We haven't really gotten into big detail on espionage, but we would like to do that in the future uh so so definitely some questions about how it's going to interact i have questions about what happens if you're already in a federation will Mm -hmm. that screw that system up is it going to end the federation for you it should be noted uh, i don't really know that we called this out we meant to but this is not locked to one 
player per game. In fact, oh, yeah. there is a line here. It says there's no limit to the number of players that can pick it, meaning the Ascension uh, become the Crisis Ascension Park. But the AI will be less likely to do so if there is another empire that already has it. So dissecting that sentence further, more than one person can have it for sure. Also, mm -hmm. the AI will potentially take it regardless at times. I don't know if that is going to be guaranteed one per single player match. You know, you're always going to have one empire that tries it. There are quite a few out there in the in the galaxy, uh, depending on how, even how small you go. It's going to be very, very cool and interesting to see how it's taken. But again, my question, will it affect your federations? Like, what if me and my friends, can we be in a crisis federation? Like, can we all be in one that's like trying to eat the galaxy together? It wouldn't. This is a role playing game, I think, first and foremost, uh, above the fact that it's an economy simulator. Yeah. It is not a uh, esports ranked thing that that is is always balanced for PVP's sake. So if this is about living out your your player fantasy of eating the galaxy, I don't know. It makes sense to let these crises people be sort of friendly and and we don't really know what this is going to do to your diplomatic status we know you can vassalize empires we know to some degree you can um, be in breach of galactic uh, community law but what does that mean how how are how are others going to interact with you all these will be very interesting to watch yeah there's also that question is being in breach of galactic law is that a one-time thing or is that recurring because like there's a specific one for retaining vassals so like if you vassalize, you can destroy an empire, you can vassalize them. And in the current point scale, they're worth the same amount. But then there's an additional one for retaining vassals. It's a much smaller payment, but it sounds like if you vassalize people and keep a hold of them, you'll keep getting paid in menace over time. Um, that might be the answer on what happens if you have multiple players, you know, like multiple human players in a game working together where it's like, okay, well, you're just going to start vassalizing people. You're going to vassalize the other players. Yeah. But yeah, it, it's a, it's a question mark. Well, I, th I think you really hit a nail on the head when you said, how many times will we replay this system? And I, I don't know that I've got a million you know, replays in mind. I, I think I will try and do it at least once. I think that's also going to depend, again, how much multiplayer fun I can have with it. Um, but I will tell you, I will tease, this, this does get a thumbs up for me for sure. <laughs> Yeah. Next week's system is definitely going to get two thumbs up for me uh, whenever we <laughs> release that episode. So that's all part of the same package deal. You're paying the same price tag for all of these things. We're just segmenting some episodes here. But the custodian system is really, really good. I think it really fixes the galactic community as it stands. It's going to that'll be one that I probably dork with every game. So keep your heads high, everyone. This is going to be really fun. I am so amped for Nemesis Stark. Whenever whenever this comes out, I will I guarantee a few more hundred hours get eaten up by it. <sighs> so uh, I think on a final note, we should remind people that there is going to be the Paradox Interactive event. And I believe that's on March 15th. Uh, I think it's in the notes. Is it maybe the 13th? I'm Googling it's it. The 13th. Yeah, there we go. So it's on the 13th. I was off by two days. I'm very excited to see that that's going to be one of their reveal days. And I'm I am speculating that we probably get the nemesis release date around then that just would probably, yeah. potentially that fit their timeline, I would assume. So looking forward to that very much, uh, especially if they do any kind of 
panels or details about the game, I would guess that this is going to be one of their highlights for it. It just seems kind of obvious to me. So get your get your butts ready. Put that on your calendar. That is March 13th. Um, if it's something that we can live stream, and I cannot guarantee that we can, I would absolutely love to live stream it over on Twitch, twitch.tv forward slash Kyle Paranormal. Um, and maybe we could try and get Stark together that day if we can all do that and dork around, show off some content, listen to what they're chatting about and share with the crew. Stark, what do you say we get out of here today? Yeah, it sounds like a plan. What do you have to promote? Where should people go find you? You doing stuff over on Twitter and uh, How to Fight Right still? Yep, still doing stuff on howtofightright.com. And you can also still find me over there on Tumblr as well. So howtofightright.tumblr.com. Hilariously, yep, it is still a Tumblr blog. It is a Tumblr blog. And uh, I got my stuff consolidated under chaosandshadow.com forward slash Kyle. That is all my stuff, my Twitter, my Twitch, and well beyond. It has all the other podcasts, too, so consider giving them a lesson. Uh, we got a new one going on in Valheim. So if you're really digging that game, that might be another one for you, as well as the Paranormal Show and the Book Club and all kinds of other stuff. But a huge thank you to everyone that is out there listening. We're going to keep these episodes a little bit shorter. We're going to keep mainly about this sort of detail for now. Once Nemesis comes out, we'll be doing deep dives and uh, chatting about our playthrough with it. So stay tuned, everyone, and stay safe. Look forward to chatting with you. Bye-bye. Take care. It's Kyle interjecting one final note. I think in the episode we talk about this uh, episode's coming out weekly. We are doing these bi-weekly, so that is two episodes per month, roughly. We might always kick that sort of thing up if we get more and more uh, amped about it at any certain time. But we're going to try and keep it in a fair pace, just because uh, Stellaris is a game that slowly updates over time. We want to keep chatting with you guys all year round as best as possible, so we're not going to force it. We're not going to overload it. It does mean the world to us. If you go and check out those links, though, subscribe to the shows, share it with friends. That is what helps us grow. That's what gets us new advertisers. And if you would like to consider becoming a member, we do not have a Patreon or anything set up specifically for this show. But if you want to kick in directly to me uh, as a full-time content creator that, that hosts all these podcasts, you can go over to chaosandshadow.com forward slash subscribe. It's the big become a member tab up on the top bar as well. Click into there and there are tiers of support. The cool thing about this is that is 100% independent hosted through Wix. This is something separate from Patreon. It is completely private. You don't have any of those other companies, middlemen, prying on your details. And best of all, I get 100% of the cut and uh, I don't see your private details either because you're leaving them in the hands of trusted companies like Stripe for your credit card and uh, you're leaving it in the hands of PayPal if you like to go that route. So Forget the Patreon middleman, support directly, and it means the world to us. Consider the Twitch and all the rest. Talk to you all soon. Bye-bye.